Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. Well, everybody, we're going to look into God's Word right now. I want to talk about how we believe God and what his word says in contrast to circumstances that we're living through. You know, the Bible is a spiritual book written for people who are alive spiritually to understand, especially the New Testament is a book of spiritual truth. So many times what the scriptures will say to us and what we should think and how we should live will seem very different to the circumstances that we're in. You know, you've heard it said, and we know it's true, we live in this world, but we're not really of this world. We're more associated with heaven and the risen Lord Jesus than we are uh, what's going on in this world. Now that, that doesn't say that we don't have to be responsible here, we do. So we're gonna talk about a number of things together today and what we ought to be doing in these circumstances and what faith looks like, what a life of faith in the Lord Jesus looks like in the middle of the virus, in the middle of people's response, in the unusual days that we live in. You know, we're, we're making history right now just by being alive and living through this moment. How we come out on the other side of this event will have everything to do with our faith in the Lord Jesus and our vigilance and our choices and the things that we think about and the plans that we make during this time. So we wanna keep Jesus at the center of our life, in the middle of our plans, in, in our thought life. And uh, I, I've never been more thankful than I am today for what Jesus has done for me and that I know in my heart that he's watching out for me, for my family, for you and your families, and that he is anointing and helping every person that's working in this crisis. You know, the, the nation has come together in, in more unity than I've seen in many years. And most people are setting aside their differences to work together. I'm blessed by that because God loves unity. He loves it on every front because uh, things get done with less conflict and uh, greater efficiency when we just choose to work together. So I don't want to negate in any way all the great efforts that's going on and uh, all the human effort. It's a good thing and we're a part of that. But we have a truth in Christ Jesus that, that gives us spiritual understanding. Scripture tells us that the battles that, that we fight are not with flesh and blood, they're not in the natural, but they're spiritual battles. That means as believers, we have faith in Christ Jesus and we know that our prayers make a difference. So as you're praying, be filled with faith today and understand that uh, God moves on our request and we know how to pray in Jesus' name, so we're going to continue to do that. Galatians 2.20 is a, a jumping off point today in, in the Word because it, it's a picture of uh, what I think of when I think of the Easter season, but it's also a picture of our situation right now and the meditation that we should have, the consideration for Jesus that we should have. And it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I still live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
That literally means my life belongs to my Lord Jesus. I know that he loves me, but I have this natural life, this lifetime on the earth that I'm living, that I'm living for him. I'm living because he has faith in me and I have faith in him. This literally means we're faith partners. It means what Jesus did on the cross, he did it for me. And my choice to believe that causes his power to be released in my life, that my life is not my own. Scripture says in Colossians that my life is hid with Christ in God. That means I have an anointed life. I have God's favor in my life. And what Jesus did, he did for me because he loved me so much. In turn, I give my life back to him and I want to do the things that are pleasing to him. That's a, a picture of something we should be thinking about in this moment, not just because it's the Easter season, but because it's a, a picture of our faith in Jesus right now. We're here living a natural life. We have the same circumstances, the same precautions that everybody else is taking right now. We take. We submit to the law of the land as much as I don't like doing church really in front of a computer. I, I love to see the, the people that uh, I minister to. I love to hear the response. I'm doing this out of obedience to the governance of the land. Scripture tells us as Christians that we're to obey the laws of the land. So we choose to do that as, as much as uh, I miss being together. We're going to submit to that authority, knowing that God will use our submission uh, to cause blessing to come into our lives. At the same time, we have the ability to communicate and we're going to do that. So in this moment of unusual circumstances, I have to decide how can I get the word of God out? How can I minister life and hope and peace and grace and faith to the people that are listening today and do it in a way that's a little bit different? I, I encourage you to find a way to uh, be careful, be cautious, and at the same time, be faith-filled. We're people of faith first. It means that uh, we choose to speak words of life and faith because of who we believe in and what he's done for us. And at the same time, we choose to use wisdom in a clinical way to, to stay clean, to keep the distance, to do all of the things that we're being told to do. Socially, we're supposed to stay separate right now. We, we do all of those things, but we put our full faith in the Lord Jesus, not in keeping a, a set of guidelines, but in the Lord Jesus who gave his life for our salvation, which includes our deliverance from trials and troubles like this, from the outcome being negative for us to be positive that we're preserved and delivered. So believe that. And he loves you so much. He wants to take care of you and preserve you. If you're, if you're sick and dealing with a sickness or even this virus, he loves you. He's delivering you and he's chosen to set you free. So we believe that Jesus is our healer. I am praying that they come up with uh, a remedy, a treatment, uh, a, uh, a, an inoculation to, to keep us from the virus in years to come. You know, I did this year get a flu shot. I think it's the first time I've ever done that. It was recommended by my doctors when I went to Guatemala on the last missions trip. Get your flu shot. So, you know, I just did that. I'm glad now that I did. When they come out with uh, a, a way to be protected from this virus, I'll likely do that too. So I want to encourage you to use all the natural means you can. But at the same time, uh, we know that we're first 
created in God's image as spiritual people, spiritual beings. When we were born again, we came into a spiritual family. So we're going to look at this thing from a spiritual angle. It gives us a wisdom and a perspective that we don't have uh, until we, we know Jesus as our Savior. I want to point to Psalm 34. I've been meditating on that psalm for quite a few days now, thinking that it's something that I want to bring to you. A couple weeks ago, I brought the, the 91st Psalm as something that we wanted to look at to prepare our hearts for this season. And we're now in the middle of that season. I think Psalm 34 very much goes along with uh, Psalm 91. They fit together and connect together. But Psalm 34 shows us uh, what the contrast is like in being a child of God in a difficult season. We know that it's the devil that brings the things that steal, kill, and destroy, that Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. We know that's in John 10, and it's uh, paramount to have that understanding right now, that the trouble didn't come from God. It's not his will. It's not God trying to judge people or shake people up. It's the devil trying to steal life. In the middle of all of this, we want to be clear that it's God, it's the God that we serve, it's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ himself that came to deliver us from this kind of trouble, to be our healer in times of trouble, and it puts us in contrast with the difficult season in that we have a healer, we have somebody to rely on and, and to take comfort in. So Psalm 34 starts out by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times, including this time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's a picture of me needing to engage him with my own mouth. I've shared this before, but I'll say it again. Everything that we receive from God in this life has to do with our lining up our mouth to his word or to the promise and saying from our mouth, I believe that and I receive it in Jesus name. When Jesus came to live in our lives as Christians, when we were born again and chose new life, he came to live in by a confession that we made. We would believe on him with our heart and then confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth and we would receive salvation. We receive everything by believing what God's word says and confessing it with our mouth and then taking it into our life by faith. This, uh, this, this scripture goes on to say in verse three, uh, it give, gives us some instructions in how to bless the Lord at all times. It tells us how to put his praise in our mouth. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You know, I've heard people say a lot of times, well, you can't have fear and faith at the same time. Well, the scripture doesn't really teach that. It teaches that we will likely have fear and faith working at the same time, but we can be delivered from the fear part because of our faith. It's our faith in the Lord Jesus that, that removes fear, or I'll say it this way, puts fear in its place. That means on the periphery of our life, not in the middle of our heart, not in the middle of what's happening to us. A choice that we make to focus on the Lord or magnify him. When I think of magnifying the Lord, I think of uh, my eyes needing magnification. 
You know, I'm looking at notes today that are in a really big font because otherwise I'd have to wear glasses and then you'd see reflections of the light that's on me and everything else going on in the room. So instead, I've magnified the font. I love it that I can do that and have a backlit screen and see really clearly as I'm talking to you. But when I think of magnifying the Lord, I think that I put first a focus on him and then I put my glasses on or I put a lens on so that I am seeing uh, everything that God's promised from a greater perspective, or think of it this way, a bigger font, a bigger print, a bigger picture. I'm let it, letting that picture of the Lord be bigger than everything that's going on around me. That's a real important thing to do. He tells us to, to do that by speaking things out of our mouth, and that we should be doing that all the time. So it's in direct contrast to what's going on. Instead of talking up the problem, we talk up the one who brought us the solution, the Lord Jesus. It says on the heels of, oh, magnify the Lord with me, it says next, let us exalt his name together. When we lift the name of Jesus higher than every other name, it releases the authority that's in that name of Jesus. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we're saying his name is higher and has authority over everything that we just prayed to change. It says that in doing this, we're seeking the Lord. So I sought the Lord and he heard me, and then he responded with a marvelous thing. He delivered me from all my fears. How does he deliver me from all my fears? I feel different and I'm changed by lifting the name of Jesus higher. It changes my disposition, and it causes my faith to magnify the Lord and my expectation to come from him. It says in verse five, when we do this, we are looking unto him and we are enlightened. What does that mean? It means we have revelation. It means we have a different viewpoint. When I magnify something in small print, I can see what it means. I suddenly have an understanding of what it's saying. I suddenly, I think of it this way, suddenly it dawns on me what I've been trying to see. Today, when you magnify the Lord and you choose to do that, and you begin to lift the name of Jesus higher, it just simply means you're giving praise and thanksgiving to his name, and it changes how you feel about him and how you see him. It's the way we seek the Lord. So rather than just passively listening today, you want to engage the Holy Spirit in your life by magnifying the Lord and putting a focus on the things that I'm talking about, particularly looking to him and receiving a personal enlightenment. You know, I could put my glasses on another person and it wouldn't work the same for them. The glasses I put on were made for me. When you choose to hear God's word, your heart translates that into your life. You will hear it specifically for you and it will be like you putting on tailor-made glasses that will magnify the Lord and give you enlightenment. Another word for enlightenment is revelation. Scripture says that, that revelation knowledge of who Jesus is in our lives is what makes all the difference. So today we're looking for that kind of wisdom, a spiritual wisdom and revelation from the Lord. I believe you're going to have that in your home. You're going to receive that. And when we're done with the day, you might want to look back on the things we talked about. Look at Psalm 34 for yourself yet again. Go back to Galatians chapter 2 and look at that again for yourself and, and uh, you'll see great things.
as I say all of this, and we're kind of working through what I would say is the, the, the beginning of the message, I want to say that we choose to practice spiritual wisdom and practical wisdom and even clinical wisdom. So today, don't just do the spiritual piece that I'm talking about, but I would, I would put it first. I would focus on the Sabbath when you're, you're celebrating service today with us. You're, you're making a break from everything else. God said he made the Sabbath for man, or he put this in place for us to give pause to everything else and focus on our relationship with him and get the benefit of, of focusing on him. So today is a day really to magnify the Lord and look at spiritual truth. But then uh, through this, the course of this season that we're in, use all the practical wisdom that you can. You know, I'm thankful that I, I know some practical knowledge and practical wisdom and I'm doing what the law says, but I, I recently took my dad to Mayo Clinic. It's been a couple weeks ago, and all of this was going on there at that time, and I got to hear the doctors talking and gain some practical insight into uh, how to be careful and cautious. And I, I remember people looking at me a little bit funny when I was working to protect my dad and myself from the disease by wiping off the doorknobs and carrying disinfectant in my pocket and even wearing rubber gloves when I was out and about. We couldn't get a mask at the time, but I was steering clear of people and doing everything that I knew to do. And I know some people probably look and think, well, he's being a little extreme. But my dad, I knew, had a compromised immune system. I was working to protect him as much or more than I was protecting myself using practical knowledge. It didn't take away from my faith to do those things. It just safeguarded me against uh, connecting with or touching the virus. I'd encourage you to do the same kind of thing. It isn't a lack of faith to use practical wisdom. It's also uh, a great thing to use any clinical wisdom that you have. You know, if you deal with sickness and you can you can get a remedy, then you want that remedy. If you can prevent sickness by eating healthy and exercising, then you want to do that. Just before I started this message, I went to the, the front door to look out and see if people were doing the same thing in Gibson City that they were doing yesterday afternoon. Almost everybody in the neighborhood was either out walking, walking with kids, walking the dog, or working in the yard, or catching a breather, speaking to one another. Uh, uh, not getting close, of course, but uh, uh, it, it was uh, an encouragement to see people out and about. There was uh, clinical wisdom being practiced in people's homes and not touching as they walk, but at the same time enjoying uh, life as much as we can. So use all the, all the uh, wisdom that you can. There's clinical wisdom that the doctors are discovering to teach us how to beat this thing in, 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 as a disease. There's practical wisdom in how to live in the healthiest way that you can and stay clean and stay separate and do what you need to do. But today I want to impart and talk mostly about spiritual wisdom. It's not about what pastor thinks or what other people think when we look for spiritual wisdom. It's what did God say? Spiritual wisdom comes from his word that's forever settled in heaven. It's a fixed entity. It's a final authority. It's something that's considered already done. So I want to look at the word as, as something that is already done and complete. 
When Jesus said it was finished on the cross, he meant that God's word was forever settled, that our salvation was forever settled. And it says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus himself never changes. He's the same. His word is the same. His way is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we look at the scripture, we're looking at an unchanging Lord, and that's who I want to be the final authority in my life, is a Lord that never changes, that loves me so much he gave his life for me, that proved his love was final and his authority was final in my life when he was raised from the dead to give me hope for an eternal life with him, but also hope for healing and, and preservation and his protection and provision while I'm here. So we learn as we study God's word that honoring God builds our trust in him. When we look at the, the Psalm 34 today, looking at verse 7, it talks about the angel of the Lord, which I believe in scripture is the person of the Lord Jesus, his presence. We would say the Holy Spirit of God with us in this life, the angel of the Lord in verse 7, encamps around about them that fear him and he delivers them. Well, I like both parts. I like that he's hanging around me because I have a respect for him. And the word fear there literally means honor and respect. So if I'm going to respect the Lord, I'm going to honor him. In honoring him, I do the things the Bible says to do. As you're listening today on a Sunday morning, you're honoring the Lord by honoring the Sabbath. He says we're to gather together in his name and never forsake that gathering. So we're gathering in a technological way. It's not as good as being together in person, but it's the best we can do right now. And hopefully you've got somebody with you in your home and you're, you're all listening to the same thing together. That's a picture of fearing the Lord or honoring him. I believe that because you honor him today, his delivering power is at work in your life. That's what the scripture says. In another place in the scripture, it says, when two or three are gathered together, in the name of the Lord Jesus, there he is in their midst. That means he is there at the same time, that he is drawn to our unity, he's drawn to our gathering. So he's there, Jesus, in the, pre in the person of his Holy Spirit is there with you right now. As you listen to this, he's there to deliver you, to deliver you from the trouble, to deliver you into faith, to deliver you into a higher way of thinking what we call faith-filled thinking. Then he goes on to what I think is the most important truth in this whole passage of scripture in verse eight. He tells us, he exhorts us or gives us instruction, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, that sounds really simple, but you have to think about what it means. It means individually, as a person, you wanna taste and see that he is good. Tasting means we participate, we partake of something. Today we are partaking of God's word. We're partaking of what the person of the Holy Spirit's delivering to us through this scripture. It's not what pastor thinks. It's not even what I've prepared. It's what I believe he said he wants to say to us today. What he has for us to take hold of or taste in our own mouth. How do you taste it? You put it in your mouth and you say it. 
we're going to see the importance again of saying God's word. It's how we taste it and how we then see it come to pass in our lives. When we want to experience God's goodness, we line up with it by saying from our mouth the goodness of God and confessing Jesus as Lord by talking about the promises of God that they are a part of our lives. Then we get to see his goodness. So today, uh, sad to say, it's not enough just to hear what I have to say, but for you to say it too. To somebody who's not a believer, that sounds ridiculous, and uh, you know, why would somebody have to say anything? By saying a confession of God's word from her mouth, it, it breaks the authority of this world and displaces it with the authority of God. When we say God's word, we are establishing it as the highest authority in our life by confessing it with our mouth. Again, that's how we get everything we're going to receive in this life from God. It's how we make Jesus Lord of our life. We, we give him first our tongue and he transfers that to our heart and changes our heart. He goes on in verse 9 to say, Oh, fear the Lord, all his saints, for there is nothing wanting to the people of God that fear him. That means we can live without having any need, any want. We can live without having a fear of a virus or running out of things or not having gainful employment when we come out of this situation. We can live free of the fear of that because we have an honor and a respect for the Lord. That word fear again is, is a different word than we would use. It simply means Oh, honor and respect the Lord if you belong to him. If you're a saint, what does it mean to be a saint? It's somebody that trusts the Lord. It's somebody that honors the Lord. So if we're going to taste and see that he is good, we're going to act out of honor and respect to the Lord. And we're going to say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of my life in the middle of a virus or any other circumstance or situation. He's Lord of my life. Even if I was, even if I would get sick, he's Lord of my life and he's my healer. You know, to be healed, it means you, you've been sick. Well, he's been my healer many times and he's still my healer. I want to believe first and foremost that this virus will pass over your house. But if you're touched with it, Jesus is your healer. Nothing can change that. And confessing Jesus as your healer from your own lips is proof positive that you respect and honor the Lord. So I'd say wherever you are, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my savior and my healer at the same time. He did it all on the same cross. When he rose from the dead, he made it real for you. He goes on to say in verse 10, what's happening in the world, what happens to people who don't know him. He says, the young lions do lack. Now they, they have potential but they're going hungry. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. He talks about us needing to seek the Lord. He's talking here about the potential everybody has, but we would go hungry or we would do without his healing. We would do without his provision if we don't seek the Lord. How do we seek him? Again, we're talking about that in general today. We seek him by hearing what his word says and then saying, I believe that in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. 
I line up my life with it. I'm seeking you, Lord, by hearing your word and saying it with your mouth, and I won't do without any good thing. So I pray for you this morning in your house that you'll take hold of everything that I'm saying and not do without anything. But again, there is a personal seeking that's required. You do that in the way that I'm saying. You're saying, I believe what pastor's saying. I believe what the scripture says is true. And I say it out of my mouth. Lord, I'm here to seek you this morning. And I'll not do without any good thing. I love you and I honor you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. That's how we personally seek him and draw near. We want to also practice restraint in the fear of the Lord. I know that in the, in the last few years, I've not heard very many sermons on the fear of the Lord. Mostly the ones I've heard are the ones I've been preaching my own self. So I want to give a, a little lesson. This is all coming from the same Psalm, Psalm 34 this morning, on what it means to fear the Lord. It's what sets us apart as believers. It's what makes us have, gives us a different outcome in the circumstances that we're in. We're going through the same thing with the rest of the world, but we come out of the circumstances differently because of our fear of the Lord or our honor and respect for him. Again, we abide by the laws. We respect the natural things that we need to do. You know, if you're listening to me today, you're, you're listening to one of the one of the people that believes in being really clean and really careful. And, you know, when when we're, we're doing any of the any living everyday life, I'm not living a lot differently today than I would any other time. I wash my hands all the time anyway. I, I, I practice uh, uh, being clean uh, as much as anybody that I know. I may be a little more vigilant now to, to make sure. But uh, we, we want to use all the natural wisdom again, all the clinical wisdom that we can, that we hear from the doctors. But today we're, our focus is on spiritual wisdom. And spiritual wisdom is walking in the fear of the Lord. You know, I, I've used the phrase uh, uh, before the, the last few sermons that we broadcast. If this crisis has caught you out from the Lord a little bit, you just want to come back to him. You want to exercise your fear of the Lord. It, it means you want to come into a full relationship with him and respond to what you know the word says is true. He, he, he tells us this in verse 11, to practice restraint in the fear of the Lord, or we use restraint. It means we don't live recklessly. We live according to God's word. So he says, come, my children, and hearken unto me. That means respond to him. And he said, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. In other words, if we'll listen to the things that God says, we will begin to live a lifestyle that is in respect and honoring to the Lord. I know a lot of people today take advantage of uh, what we call a, a grace position with the Lord. But I wouldn't take undue advantage of God's goodness and his grace to live without restraint. The Bible teaches that when we live in restraint or we live in response to God's word, it stirs faith in our relationship with him. When we know we're living a life well-pleasing to him, we have confidence that he's watching out for us. I want you to have that full confidence. 
He says in verse 12, if you desire, if we desire God's blessing in our life and we desire to see good days and live a long life, we're going to do what verse 13 says. We're going to restrain our tongue from evil. We're going to restrain our lips from speaking corruption. That means first we're going to restrain our, our tongue. We're not going to wind up with a, a bad report and talk about all of this negativity from our mouth. We're not going to give our, our lips to corruption. That means we're going to have different words in our mouth. It doesn't mean we're living ignorant of what's going on and all the bad that's happening. I'm very aware. I listen to a little bit of news every day and I, I hear enough pretty quickly. Uh, but what do I do? I listen to that news and then I say, that's not coming near me. I, I give my mouth to honor the Lord Jesus who died to redeem every life from destruction, to bring healing to the nations, the, the Jesus the, whose spirit anoints everybody working on the cure. He didn't only do this for the believer. He did this for the whole world. He loved the whole world. God did so much. He gave his son Jesus to save all the world. And the cure brings safety and security to all the world. But as a believer, I know I'm going to give my lips and my mouth to some restraint. I'm not going to be talking about the problem. I'm going to be thanking God for the solution and where the solution comes from. He says that I'm first going to line my mouth up because when I do that, my heart, my mind hears what my mouth is saying and my mind is, is my thoughts are in, become in line, line up then with the things that I'm saying. So it's important what I say. Scripture teaches in James that my tongue will steer my future like a rudder steers a boat. So I want my tongue to line up for my outcome and uh, also the outcome of people around me. Verse 14 tells us that it's not enough just to say right things or think right things, but we have to take action. He says to depart from evil. And then we do good, seek peace, and pursue good and peace. Well, why would he throw in depart from evil, except that we're to repent if there's anything evil going on? You know, I think of, Jesus and what he wants most from us right now. Repentance in scripture always leads to revival. You know, if there's anything in your life that isn't right, you know, I use the phrase, if you got caught out when this virus came on, there's something to fix. It's called depart from evil and repent. I can't say enough that repentance is a gift it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance by understanding our stubbornness and rebellion to Jesus would hold us back from the faith it takes to receive his blessing. We're saved from the trouble. We're saved into the blessing. It's all the same salvation at work. But one part is the free gift, what Jesus did. The other part is our gift back to God in obedience. That makes it the perfect gift. We receive what Jesus did in giving his life, but then we respond in giving Jesus our life back. That's our part, to depart from the evil and do good. It's a good thing to give your full heart to the Lord Jesus. Then he says, seek peace and pursue that peace. We as believers that have a peace that passes all understanding, that peace comes in a combination of departing from the evil and doing good. That's when peace 
floods into our life and that peace that passes understanding comes in and displaces all the concerns we have uh, of a negative outcome. I want you to, to leave today's service in a few moments with perfect peace in your heart. So that this whole passage is talking about making an adjustment in our life to line up with eternal values, to line up with what God gave as guidelines to live our life. We know that's what the Bible is. The New Testament in particular gives us a list of guidelines in loving God and loving people that is a picture of what the Old Testament said we should do to please God. So we make a compass adjustment to line up to eternal values. When we change our words to line up with God's word, our heart begins to change and our internal compass changes. We begin to line up with God's values and when we line up with God's values and take action on those things, we will get God's results. We will get the, the promises in our lives. We'll see the outcome. We want a good outcome. We embrace eternal values. That's how we make the adjustment. You know, my, my vehicles have a compass adjustment in them where I have to make sure every so often to adjust the compass to true north. I guess that my vehicle's kind of like my person. Uh, when I'm going down the, the road of life, I get shook up a little bit. The vehicle gets shaken up and the compass can be off a little bit because circumstances got to the vehicle. It got shaken up a little bit. Circumstances might have gotten to your life a little bit and you need a compass adjustment today. That's why we're looking at God's word to be honest with ourselves and line ourselves up in our response to God's word. So I believe today you'll get a true picture of true north or the how to set your compass point on the Lord Jesus today. He's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. So when our faith needs an adjustment, we look to him. So deliverance comes through our submission to God. It's true, Jesus provided our deliverance on the cross. But for us to receive it in our life, it comes by submitting to God's word, by giving our life back to him. Verse 15, and I'm still in Psalm 34. We're building a picture and we're building it by line upon line and precept upon precept, seeing these pieces of God's word line up together for a bigger picture to change our life. Deliverance from trouble comes by our submitting to God, lining up with his truth. It causes our citizenship to heaven to shine through more than our living, our natural days in the earth. It causes God's authority to rule over our lives in a greater way. Verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Well, I know my righteousness is in Christ Jesus. My claim to living right is lining up to his word. So the more I line up to his word, the more he's looking upon me. He says his eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are open to my cry or to my prayer or to my desperation. It doesn't say I won't need to call out to him. It tells me that I will. He even uses the word cry. So today, if you're concerned, you're rightly concerned. The eyes of the Lord are on you because you love Jesus. His ears will be open to your crying out for his help. 
I'm crying out for his help. I believe I live close to the Lord Jesus, but I'm certainly willing to cry out in this crisis that is marking our, our generation like nothing else really has up to now. Verse 17 says, the Lord hears and delivers me, delivers all of those that cry out to him out of all their troubles. Well, I'm troubled enough by what's going on without having the virus. I'm troubled enough by uh, not being able to be together with the whole body of Christ in the flesh today together. There's plenty of trouble that's come out of this if my life isn't touched anymore by it. I'm troubled by what it's done to the economy. I'm troubled by what it's done to the supply line. I'm troubled by what it's done in so many things that, that in my life right now is, is minor compared to the trouble that many are, are having to live through in the world. I recognize that. But I know the Lord hears and delivers me as he hears and delivers you out of all our troubles. I believe that. Why? Because his, his eyes are on us and his ears are open to us crying out. It says in verse 18, he is near to a broken heart. That just means a humble heart. That means somebody willing to cry out. That means somebody that knows uh, uh, that they're dependent on him. And he saves those with a contrite spirit. That means I'm willing to submit to his word. I'm willing to submit to his will. It's not enough to have a broken heart and need God. It becomes enough to combine that with a willingness to change, a willingness to submit. I know that even many Christians hate the word submission. Somehow it's taken on a negative connotation, but it's really a spiritual powerhouse in our lives when we submit to God by submitting to his word, saying, I choose to believe that and I'm going to respond to it because I believe it's true. I'm going to respond in submission. I'm going to respond in repentance when necessary. I'm going to respond with a tenderness from my heart to confess it with my mouth. I remember how strange it was to me in the early days to have to say out loud what I was thinking in my mind to God. I'd, I'd heard for years, oh, you can pray silently from your mind. Well, uh, you, you might want to pray silently from your mind, but scripture says if we're going to receive from God, we want to confess it with our mouth. So I take it literally. And I think a contrite spirit has to do with being willing to say from our mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my master. You're in control in my life. You're my healer. You're my provider. You're my helper. You're the one with me in this trouble. You're my deliverer from all the trouble. I might be in it with the rest of the world, but you're delivering me out of it without any problems or lasting complications. Even if you're touched somehow with this virus or some sickness in this season, he said he'll deliver you out of all the trouble. Whatever you get into, he'll deliver you out of. I believe that's true for two reasons. He's near because I have a broken heart. I have an openness to him. I'm willing to learn and willing to change. And he saves me because I have a contrite spirit. That means that, that I look to him and depend on him. And I'm not too proud to admit that I need him. This would be a time to not take real confidence in ourselves or even in a government doing a great job. This would be to, to turn a, a tender heart toward the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything that needs to be changed in my life or my way of thinking? I, I'm not only open to that, I'm asking you to reveal that to me. 
and then comply to God's word. Make some changes in, in how you think. And as you change how you think, he'll change how you live. I, I expect there's people that will hear this word that, that need to get closer to the Lord Jesus. Maybe you need to become a part of a local church and get closer to him. It, it would be a wrong thing to step back and say, I'm doing all right like I am. We never do all right by limiting our exposure to God. We always do better by walking more closely with him. Now, the, the, the goodies in, in all this say that we're to be blessed people even in a cursed world. You know, we live in a world that still has a curse on it. But we as the people of God have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now that's two different curses. The curse of the law was the curse that was on my life because of sin and disobedience. Jesus broke that curse when I received him in salvation as my savior. He saved me from the curse of the law. That means I'm not being judged by because of sin. I'm being judged because of Jesus' righteousness. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that Jesus' righteousness made me right in the eyes of a loving Heavenly Father. But that, that leaves me still with the other curse to deal with. It's the curse that is on the earth. The curse that I have to, I have to pray in Jesus' name to break the power of that curse over my life. He redeemed me from having to be subject to that curse, but I have to receive that redemption that came through the authority that's in God's word. So verse 19 tells me about that. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Well, I believe that when we're born again and saved, we become the righteous because of what Jesus did. It's not our right action that made us righteous. It's our submission to him as Savior, receiving him as Savior, that put us in a righteous category with the Heavenly Father. So when the Father looks at us, we are like Jesus in his eyes because of the work of the blood of Jesus. Nonetheless, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous because we're in a fallen world. We're afflicted by this virus and other things that are going on along with the world. However, our outcome should be different. It's meant to be different. He goes on to say, after the semicolon in this verse, but the Lord delivers him, the righteous, out of them all. That means all of the afflictions. So though it, it comes against me because I'm in this world, the Lord Jesus himself delivers me out of all of those afflictions. I believe that for you and your household today. I believe that for every person that will confess Jesus as Lord over this virus, over the name COVID-19, over the name of every sickness and disease, Jesus' name is above every name. When I put that name in my mouth, the name of Jesus, I'm exalting him above every other name because I'm saying his name, his life has authority over every name and has the full authority of God over my life to bring blessing into my life. It's the blessing of God as I say the name of Jesus that drives the curse away, that drives the, the, the disease away, that drives the negative outcome away so I can have God's blessing. It's me aligning my life with the blessing of God instead of destruction.
That's why I want to say the answer in the name of Jesus instead of letting my words be corrupted with all the negativity of the curse and of the disease and of the problems and of people running out of supplies and all of that. I want to line my mouth up with the risen Lord Jesus. The one that's raised from the dead that, that has changed things. It means I have to change my mind. The beginning of repentance is changing our mind or to turn away from old thinking to embrace new thinking. When we get our thinking right, our behavior begins to change and line up. I know so many times people try to behave first. Well, we want to change our thinking and the Holy Spirit helps change our behavior. So many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord Jesus himself delivers the righteous out of all of those afflictions. Then he tells us how in verse 22, the Lord redeems the thinking of his servants. Well, to be Jesus' servant, it means he's my Lord. When Jesus is my Lord, it means that he's my master and he's my controller. I live for him. I live the way he wants me to live. I live the way the Bible says to live. We can't really call ourselves his servants until we line up with what the master says to do. He made it easy. He said his, his burden is easy and light. It's easy for us. It's not a difficult load. It makes life easier and better. Embracing Jesus makes our life better. But he said the Lord redeems the thinking of his servants and no one that trusts in him shall be left desolate. That means we won't have to do without. We won't be disappointed. We won't have to deal with a negative outcome if we trust in him. But again, trusting in him means we've made ourselves his servant. It means Jesus is Lord, not just Savior. Today, if you're compelled to listen to this word and, and give it your whole thought, I believe that it will change the way you think. It's not pastor doing this. It's not my greatness of speech or my delivery or anything about me. It's the power that's in God's word because it displays and tells us what, what living for Jesus looks like. If we want to live for him, we change what we have to say to line up with God's word. And he then comes in and redeems our thinking. When we choose to turn around our mouth, he helps us turn around our thinking. Then as we think in our heart, that's the man we're going to become. That's the woman we're going to become. That's the person we're going to become. I would think about Jesus redeeming our life from destruction and bringing us into healing, bringing us into abundance, bringing us into plenty, bringing us into a full obedience to his word so we can have the full blessing that he's promised. We get the, the, the promises of God by being willing and obedient to him. It's both parts. Willingness is a start, but obedience is the surrender of our life to, to line us up with his full blessing. This morning, we're going to pray. If you don't know Jesus, this is a time to come to know him. If you've never asked him into your heart, today's your day to ask him into your heart. If the circumstances of our, our day and this generation have caught you out, you've not been in close fellowship with the Lord, he's made it so easy to be restored to him. 
That's what it means when he redeemed our life from destruction. If we get off track, he provided a constant redemption for us. He wants us to stay near and remain close to him all of our days. But if you've been caught out, today's the day to come back and be close to him. So we're going to pray that prayer of salvation. But then on the heels of that, we're going to confess some promises of God. We're going to consider back the things that we heard today from God's word. I want to lead you in a what I call a confession of faith. Whenever we pray the prayer of salvation, it's one I ask people to repeat. Because then it becomes your confession or your profession of your own faith. It means you are putting God's word in your own mouth, saying those words so that you can say and believe it in your heart. When you say it, it's the beginning of God releasing his power to change behavior, to live in a way that's pleasing to God, that we literally become his written epistle or his witness of the promise of God. He wants us to be a demonstration of his power by a changed life. We've been saved from the curse of the law, but we displace the curse that is on the earth by putting God's word in our mouth. We line up with his word, then we receive the full redemption and healing that it is in his blood. Then we go one further. And I want to exhort you today, the more a believer you are in the truth of God's word, the more your life should be a witness. The more in this crisis, you should be a person spreading not just the love of God, but his peace and his joy. I, I want you to consider if you're, you're a part of living word, be the written epistle. That means be the witness, be Jesus' witness. Have compassion. Right now, we're forced really to be the church without walls. We're forced to be the church outside the walls. More than ever before, you can be and should be Jesus' witness. I appreciate what Pastor Paul shared Wednesday night about reaching out more than ever before, about doing the things that we can do as the body of Christ right now. I would encourage you to have compassion and love people in every way that you can. I know that people love to use their phones to receive information. I would use your phone to be a platform of being Jesus' witness and share the good news. More than ever, you're his, uh, you're his ambassador, you're his witness in the earth. Well, this morning, I, I hope this word has blessed you. It's blessed me as I'm sharing it. Whenever I share it, I get to put God's word in my mouth and it kind of has a bounce back effect and comes back on my life in the same way. It's in the saying of it that the anointing really comes. In the saying of the word, there was an anointing for you to hear it, but the anointing to receive it is in your saying it. So this morning, if you will, wherever you are, I want to pray a twofold prayer. First, to, to pray for Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of your life. And second, to receive the full blessing that comes when we make Jesus our Lord. Won't you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Say this with me, Jesus. I, I come to you with my full faith that you died on the cross for me. So I ask you this morning, become my savior. 
save my life from destruction, save my soul from hell, and be my full Savior. In every way, save my life from destruction. Jesus, I thank you for that. And I turn around now and I give you my life back as my blessing back to you. I ask you to take my broken life and bring healing to it. I ask you to take my broken life such as it is. I give it to you. I ask you to make something more, something wonderful out of my life. I trust that you'll do that and you'll teach me. As you're my Lord, you're my teacher. And you're going to show me by your Holy Spirit how to live for you. I'm excited that heaven will be my home, but I'm even even excited today that you're going to teach me how to live for you. Make my life your witness of truth in the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that for the very first time or you've prayed that as a way to renew your promise to the Lord Jesus, let's talk about his promise to you. I want to lead you in a confession this morning, and that just means you're putting God's word in your mouth. So you might say this with me wherever you are. Heavenly Father, I honor the word, the written word, your Bible, as the highest authority in my life. I thank you this morning that your Holy Spirit inspires me to speak your word. I'm going to speak your word with faith in, in my heart and joy in my tone because I know and expect your word to come true, to fully manifest, to be very real in my life. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is my Lord. He's Lord of my circumstances right now. Jesus, you're Lord in my life. You're Lord over the coronavirus. You're Lord over every sickness and disease. You're my healer, and your healing power is at work in me right now in Jesus' name. I receive the fullness of your healing anointing, the promise of healing, as you touch me right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for the power that's in Jesus' shed blood as the substitute, a sacrifice given for me. Jesus, I receive the full healing from your broken body and your shed blood on the cross. You make me clean. You make me new. And you heal me, spirit, soul, and body, right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you that I'm healed and whole, spirit, soul, and body. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus also saved me and delivered me into preservation, preserving my life from destruction. My life, my future is not falling apart. You have my life in your hands. I commit my life fully to you, and I see my future in your hands right now in Jesus' name. I trust you with it. You're going to make more of my future 
than I ever could do on my own. It's going to be wonderful, and my future is going to give you glory. I'm going to give you praise, and I give you thanksgiving in advance in Jesus' name. Whatever I do to make a living, your blessing will be upon it. Whatever changes I have to make in, in coming out of this season, I make in Jesus' name to honor you and to live for you. And I know you're going to lead me by the power of your Holy Spirit. You're going to guide me by the light of your word, by revelation from your word. You're going to help me in the person of your Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be afraid of my future. I'm going to embrace it with joy because you're with me. You were not caught off guard by this crisis. So I'm trusting you. My full faith, my full trust is in you. Heavenly Father, thank you for causing me to be more close to Jesus than ever before. Heavenly Father, that my household and my family are more united than ever before. That we work as a team. We work as a family. We become stronger as a family. We don't become disjointed. We're not off alone right now, but we're coming together. Lord Jesus, I ask you bring families together more close than we ever were before this crisis. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. I ask for perfect unity in my family and with my house. That we work together in a cooperation that brings joy. Help us find humor in the moment. Help us celebrate this moment with gladness in our heart. Not look to the negative, but look to our Redeemer. Look not to the, the cross of crucifixion, but Father, the, the stone rolled away of your resurrection. Let hope be resurrected in our heart. Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you stir faith. I'll say this with me, Heavenly Father. My faith and trust is greater now than ever before. Jesus lives in my heart in a way greater than ever before. Heavenly Father, you've got my family. You're holding us close. You're keeping us safe. You've set us free from all the works of the enemy. And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, I bless your name, Lord Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I receive all of these good things. Amen. We pray that today you were challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois. 60962 or visit our website at go to lwc.org and as always we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. and now may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace <laughs>